0: God surprised me profoundly and he invited me to imagine to receive this fresh revelation of what if Jesus was meant to be our older brother. Friends, it's Morgan Snyder with my favorite guest, and can I say (laughs) co-host, Sherry (laughs) Snyder. Um, We are back in the studio, and Sherry and I are really um, honored, that's the word, honored to be with you wherever this podcast finds you. You are our friends. You are our co-heirs of all the extravagance of our father's kingdom. You are our fellow students. Like-hearted apprentices that want to become alive, at peace, brimming with life as it was meant to be, becoming the kind of men and women who God finds joy in partnering with this co-creative process to see everything in everyone redeemed, restored, and made whole. So really it is an honor. And Sherry and I felt compelled to invite you into sort of, um, some of the big ideas that God has been recovering for us, expanding for us as he continues to hone in our worldview. And, uh, I know the spoiler alert is if you saw the title of this podcast, you may know where we're going. But for a moment, we're going to pretend uh, that you don't know the title and share. I think I might start with a story from one of uh, my f- new favorite books, Green Lights, mm-hmm. by Matthew McConaughey. Yes, buddy the first time I read this, we were on a little staycation. you remember? I was just laughing out loud.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. We were, I would be um, like in another part of this little cabin.
0: <laughs> Two room cabin. <laughs> Two room
1: cabin. And, and I would literally hear Morgan like, like howling. And then like you would be sitting on the, like taking a like, t- like taking a number two and you were like reading on the pot and you were laughing so hard. I like could not put your- this book down. I know. And I was like, what is happening? My yeah. favorite
0: books to read are when I find myself just cracking up yes. at the agony, at the cracking, hilarity.
1: Literally cracking up by yourself. Oh my room. God. <laughs> so anyway, Matthew McConaughey,
0: it's the story. Um, it's his story as he captures it at the mark of 50 years old. And there's a lot in this book. I wanna pull one story out. So friends, sit back and let's take in um, this one story from Matthew McConaughey. It picks up with his older brother, Pat. And there's a lot about Pat in the book. And basically, Matthew had moved back to LA, he's trying to make his way into film. And he said, before he had found a residence, he was just couch surfing with some people in the industry. He said, he got a phone call. He said, it was Pat, as usual, his older brother, with another splendid offer that would surely provide old-fashioned, high-jinks hilarity. Hey, little brother, let's go play this golf course in Palm Springs at La Quinta Resort. I got us a room for two nights. I'll drive out, pick you up Thursday afternoon. We'll play Friday and Saturday. I'll drop you off in LA Sunday on me. Pat had been paying a tout service to pick winners for him in college football games the last few months, and his money was well spent. His tout recently had been on a 27-2 run against the spread, and Pat had been hammering his hot streak. It always made me happy when Pat hit a hot streak of any kind because in the grand scheme of things, he had terrible luck compared to me and our brother, (laughs) Rooster. In 1998, Pat lost his first and only wife, Lori, in a freak car accident. For 27 years after, he never allowed himself to love or be loved by another female, except his dogs, Neiman and Molly. Like Rooster says, if it weren't for Pat, we wouldn't understand struggle. We'd have a lot less compassion for people having a hard time. Pat taught us forgiveness. That's why he is our lucky charm. Mm. With the windows down and Boston's more than a feeling blaring through the speakers, we pulled Pat's dusty and dented Ram charger, dually pickup truck into the La Quinta Resort eight o'clock that Thursday evening, just after sundown there to greet us in suits and ties were the, the bellman and the manager. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to the La Quinta hotel and resort. How was your journey? In a headband, sleeveless T-shirt, and a pair of flip-flops, I stepped out of the passenger door and said, great trip, how y'all doing? The sound of a large barking dog now echoing through the concourse. The manager's eyes went to the source of the sound. In the truck bed of Pat's Dooley was his dog, a very excitable 140-pound black lab named Neiman, who was aggressively pacing back and forth, impatient to go to the potty. Mm, very well, sir, very well, they said. As I casually crossed to the back of the truck to fetch our luggage and clubs, the manager and Bellman kept their distance. And may I ask, were you planning on the dog staying with you? The manager asked, yeah, I said, well, sir, we uh, don't allow dogs at the resort. Unloading our golf clubs without a stutter in my step, I said, oh, well, this is my brother's seeing eye dog. I made sure to say it loud enough so Pat, who was now just getting out of the driver's seat, could hear me. As if he had rehearsed it, Pat raised his left arm up in front of him, appeared to search for the side of the truck, <laughs> found it, then secured himself to stand up firmly. Hang on, Pat. You got it? I asked. Pat, uh, Pat eyes half closed in a squint, brought his other hand to the truck side for assurance. Yeah, buddy. I- I'm good. We here? We here? The manager's chin slightly dropped in embarrassment. Then he looked at me with a face that gave me assurance he hadn't put together the implausibility of my blind brother driving. driving. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my no-flinch Jedi mind trick, now successful, I put Neiman on her leash, unloaded her from the truck, and walked her over to Pat. Neiman on, Pat. <laughs> I said to watch Pat perfectly enact a blind man now relaxing because he had his trusty seeing eye dog to guide him. You good? I asked. Pat then did the best Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man imitation I, he, and said, Pat good, Neiman on leash. Which didn't really make sense to me because he was pretending to be b- blind, not autistic, but I rolled with it. <laughs> The manager and the bellhop grabbed and carted our luggage. Right this way, Mr. McConaughey, they said, and began leading us to our suite. Neiman didn't play her part nearly as well as my brother and I. Instead of leading Pat, she pulled him left and right, <laughs> pissing on every shrub and Mercedes tire in sight. 40 paces straight ahead, I said to Pat, who replied to no one in particular. 40 paces, yes. 40 paces <laughs> the manager and the bellman now very considerate and a bit ashamed at the, their earlier questioning of the service dog escorted us to our room where they opened the door walked the luggage in with an excess of civility made sure neiman and pat got into the room safely Neiman immediately began knocking on her furniture, jumping on the bed and (laughs) slobbering on windows. We're here, Pat. This is where we'll stay for the next two days, I said, voice raised for some reason, as if Pat were hard of hearing as well. Good, good. This is where we stay, Pat replied, at equal decibels, still squinting and weaving, his head left and right like Stevie Wonder. The manager and the bellman now started backing out of the suite door. I hope the room is to your liking. We thank you for staying with us, he said. Now, he was raising his voice. We hope you have a pleasant (laughs) stay, and if you need anything, please let us know. Okay, thank you, Pat. Tell the nice men thank you. Pat nodded. Thank you, nice men. Thank you. Doubling down on his best, Raymond Babbitt. When they shut the door behind them, Pat and I fell over laughing. Thanks a lot, Neiman. You almost blew it for us. (laughs) It's so good. It's too good. Too good. good. What's good about that? When when you hear that, Cher, what what? Why is it so good?
1: Oh my gosh, I mean the there. I mean there's so many levels. First of all, as we've talked about, McConaughey is just grand, masterful storyteller throughout his memoir. So it's just so well told. But additionally, the spontaneity and the like the that, that he and his brother are so connected on that nonverbal level, yes, that like they can they're they are tracking like immediately with what, like, and playing off each other, and they don't have to like say anything, like one glance, one you know, um, McConaughey like pivots to like do the the blind stick, and Pat's right there, you know, to to um, he's like on board and then some. Totally. Um, So I think just that the brotherliness of it is just, um, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, what strikes me is Matthew is going about his work in the world, right? Mm -hmm. He's in LA and there comes Pat as the hilarious, incredulous, joyful, brotherly disruption Mm -hmm. saying, we're going Vegas, baby, Vegas, right? It's two days at Palm Desert. At a resort, playing golf, on me. And in the book, those two words, on me, are italicized. Mm. What strikes me is there's something about this older brother that says, I'm inviting you Mm -hmm. into an adventure. Yes. I got you covered. This is on me. Don't overthink it.
1: Mm.
0: We can do this. Mm. And this is worth it. This Mm -hmm. is good math even though it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. i think what i notice share for me is it pierces something deeper than even the joy of it and i want to say it's something like ache mm-hmm. or longing and what i notice i could even feel the emotion there's like a loneliness that surfaces mm-hmm. i read it with envy and awe and i sort of wonder Where's my older brother? Mm. And I'm not talking biologically. So like friends listening, just be, don't be too quick to try this on in the particularities of your biological story. What I mean is mythically, there feels like something in my heart that's made to have a pat and has a void. What do you think of that? Mm.
1: Say more, buddy. I said no, so I want I'm curious to hear you say more.
0: You know, there there is this work, and we've talked so much of it as apprentices of the father, mm. and this this wise, generous provision. But there's something that feels different about a brother. He he's in it with you, right? He's close enough in age to be in the same predicament and yet seem to have. He seems to have some greater resources than you, greater money, greater confidence, greater pain from lessons learned, um, greater freedom and room for you to kind of be a knucklehead, room for you to screw up, almost this room, this benevolent benefit of the doubt towards you saying, That was a good swing. Way to go for it, way to try. So I think for me, Cher, I think like that brotherly part, the word is advocate. Where was my advocate? Where was Pat to say, Morgan, like, you can take that risk. And when I screwed it all up to say, way to go, you went for it. This benefit of the doubt, thinking the best of me and not the worst. You know, where was my older brother to teach me how to fix my car when I got that first flat tire? Because I was just running low. And I, I, no one even actually walked me through putting air in a tire. And how to maintain my own bike. You know, we took it to a little shop called Dirty Harry's because my dad wasn't around and my mom didn't know. So every year, every time there's a flat tire, we took it into the shop, like Where was the big brother to say, hey, it takes a couple tools and let's get dirty. You know, I helped a younger brother change a flat tire for the first time on a bike tour um, a couple months ago. It was one of the best parts of the tour to watch him figure it out and fumble with tools and do it the hard way and make some mistakes. You know, where was a brother to teach me about sex and even more how to love a woman? Where was a brother to bail me out? Bail me out when I made some bad bets and when I was just down on my luck and out of my money and uh, I got myself in a precarious situation with parents or cops or school or a girl. Like, where was that friend? Where was that brother to invite me into an adventure that I didn't think I could, handle something I didn't really know how to do or I didn't feel like I even had time for where was the brother to champion my silly dream to yeah to just take take me out and celebrate something just celebrate like the risk I took with that girl with that job with that business with that school decision that I was bumbling around with, with that road trip, with going to that training seminar, with walking away from interviews at Enron and Arthur Anderson to, to go to like a, some bizarre Christian something that I didn't even know what that was, where was my brother? How about you? Mm. Where was your brother? Mm. Where was older brother? What surfaces? What what rises up when you let your heart feel what it's like to have that advocacy mm. as a woman?
1: Buddy, I so appreciate that and I I'm just really moved by your emotion. I'm I I'm I'm just curious if you would be willing to share a little more about how how this let me put it this way to me and we've talked about it a little bit this summer but this is a, a fresh frontier for you and even as you're recounting that litany of of ache for brother I notice those are places that maybe um, a decade ago you would have said where was my father? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm fascinated about this part of your heart that's really showing up here. And, and I, I, I notice I'm intrigued.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a new dimension. It's really fresh. Yeah. I mean, it's been the last couple months. And I think I found myself in some situations where I knew because of my life in God, pragmatically, a risk worth taking. I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. But what I felt was the loneliness of not having a brother mm-hmm. to cheer me on. Yes. I bought an e-bike for over five grand and I waited for over two years to do it. I should have probably bought it two years ago. And the the impetus was two things. One was um, hunting, where now e-bikes give people farther reach and to stay competitive, to get deep in wilderness. You have to have what others have so that it's you know apples to apples uh so that you can kind of get ahead of the competition to go further and deeper and the second was biking with our son Mm -hmm. you know we love biking and i have been gloriously dethroned as the mon monarch bull in our house Mm -hmm. to my utter joy i can't keep up with him you know there was a transition day over two years ago where we went out for the first ride of the season and i was been spinning a lot over the winter, doing the spinning bike more than him. And I was ready to show him like dad still has it. And he's like, hey dad, I have a surprise for you. (laughs) Um, He said, dad, I have a surprise for you at the end of the ride. I was like, cool, cool. It's the whole ride. I'm like trying to act chill, but I'm redlined. You know, I mean, my heart rate is maxed. (laughs) He doesn't appear to be sweating, but I'm trying to (laughs) ignore that. And we're neck and neck for parts of it. And then he puts on sort of his boost and I realized like, oh man, he still has more. And and eventually he beats me and I just think, you know, not by much, I still have it. And then he goes, hey dad, (laughs) he goes, hey, remember that surprise I told you about? I said, yeah, and he pulls out a pair of dumbbells out of his backpack, (laughs) 20 pounds of dumbbells that he carried the whole time. And I just looked at him and I went, Times have changed, right? <laughs> I, I have so been surpassed <laughs> to my utter joy. And at that moment, I think it was time to buy the e-bike to say yes. the goal is joy. And I have a few precious years left with my son, but I'm too cheap. Yes. I was too frugal. Mm-hmm. I operate in scarcity that I try to often sanctify. Mm-hmm. And yet part of my holding back financially is, is fear, mm-hmm. is the scarcity that we won't have enough. Mm-hmm. And so I go without and I'm far, it's, it's, it's much more, e- it's far easier for me to spend on other people than it is on mm-hmm. me. And so for two years, I deliberated this mountain bike mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I finally bought it and it was like such a no brainer. The joy of it, just multiplying the joy of this e-bike of riding now, I've dialed it in where I have the exact power setting that my son and I are equal in the field just like we are in the spinning class and it, it's just utter joy and then one other note we went on this sabbatical where you know we had a, a budget conscious 2 weeks in blue water and and I felt like we were supposed to go sailing one day and I dropped a thousand bucks on a day of private sailing we never been on a sailboat spent a lot of time on water but never under sail it felt important to me to give that to our family and to me, but that's, that's an asinine amount of money in our budget to spend. Both of those moments share, I could feel this like utter loneliness of I believe I'm making a really holy decision. I believe I'm taking a great risk in what is very much on my frontier and there's no one here advocating. Mm-hmm. And so in that sabbatical, I found these lingering hours where God surprised me profoundly. And He invited me to imagine, to receive this fresh revelation of what if Jesus was meant to be our older brother? What if actually part of this substantive interaction, this life of communion with the Trinity? is Christ as older brother. And what hit me, I'm going through scripture after scripture on this, and I realize I've always related to Jesus as savior. I've never felt close to him as an older sibling. And redeeming my life was sufficient, is sufficient. But as I've immersed my heart in life with God as father and God as mother to then come up to still this ache and longing, and then to see what if part of God's redemptive story for all of us is actually to heal that space in our Mm -hmm. heart that's actually designed and destined to intimately share life with God as the older brother like Pat is to Matthew advocating inviting us into adventure, champion, championing us even in our error yes. and misstep.
1: Yes. You know, Mo, it's interesting because um, as as I reflect and, and just watch you here in the studio, I think the greatest model I've had of older brother relating that way has actually been watching you and Joshua. And, um, you know, this shift from... Um, you being his dad too. it feels like you being his older brother you're you you don't have a competitive relationship with him it's a non-competitive relationship so you're not your freedom to champion his risk and to invite him to play to kind of set in motion these adventures that he gets to come up to to want him to um Like stand on your shoulders, but not just as a dad, but as a as a brother. It was so sweet yesterday. Somehow, Joshua and I, you know, because he's saying goodbye to some of his his um, dearest buddies, his like homies, if you will, um, to go off to college. And he was, you know, talking about his friends. He goes, you know, Mom, you know, I think like for example, this friend, like, I definitely want to have him in my wedding party. He goes, but you know who I think I'll have for my best man? I was like. Like I knew exactly what he was gonna say, but he's like, you know, I think I'm gonna have dad because mm-hmm. he's my. You are his, you you have become this, not just a dad, but an older brother to him, and you have a friendship, and you guys have a, um, you know, a, a, an agony and a hilarity. So, and it's so beautiful. It's such a full circle. Thinking about you know that revelation that Joshua brought to you you know, when he was almost four, where he said, you know, dad, we're brothers. God is my father and God is your father. We're brothers. So it's interesting how the redeemed version of that yes. is most accessible to me through through watching you and Joshua. And I also know, you know, as we crest the conversation of older brother, like that is also a, a area of incredible pain for yeah. people. And I know you have grappled with that in terms of places also where you have felt like you didn't, you weren't the older brother that you wished you had been physically, you know yes. to your blood younger brothers and so i i i i'm curious and i want to acknowledge like a conversation about older brother i imagine for all of us just brings up a lot wherever we are in the birth order whatever our family of origin story is so i am curious you know i do notice a desire to acknowledge that
0: <clears throat> yeah Yes, what I would say, I think it's very insightful, share that the, whatever our biological story is, it is intended to be a redemptive on ramp yes. to the restoration of Christ as our older brother. Yes. That that story of <clears throat> Joshua and I, you know, it's fascinating to watch. We've never parented adults before. We don't. Ha- Alex said this to me last week. He said, "I don't have kids. I have adults." Yeah, right. And I realized the same thing. We have a house filled with adults now, and we've never done this. And it wonderfully triggers parts in our story that then become opportunities for deeper maturing and deeper healing. And I think that example with Joshua, I have been the older brother, and I do think as we transition from having these young ones in our kingdom and domain, part of the risk and the royalty of parenting is to release them, to launch them, to bless them. This benediction of you can go. And in some ways I wanna say you must go, which is another conversation for another time. But I do notice there's this return then of the adult children as brothers and sisters, and it becomes much more, pure based. And it's interesting. So we, Joshua and I've been doing free diving training a part of both of our initiation. Um, as you guys know, I'm passionate archery hunter. And my dream is to subsist by bow or spear and procure food from the wild for our table. And um, I've become a decent bow hunter, but I am a neophyte when it comes to spearfishing. So our dream is to be able to have great breath breath control, dive deep, harvest enough fish to feed the family and have great stories. And so we've been doing free diving training and he has surpassed me, no question. Just like the mountain bike, just like free diving. I'm watching my brother surpass me to my delight. Yeah. I still have the privilege <clears throat> of leading him in some instances, but now what I'm noticing, and I think with the summer, what hit me was, he's becoming the older brother to me in mm-hmm. some areas. So we, we we dove every day for 13 days out in the ocean, different places, just working on our skills every day, trying to improve just a little bit. And our last day, God lined it up totally by the spirit. We'd never been in any of these locations diving. And we end up in, in, in deeper water, maybe a um, 50 foot reef. And there was this swim through sort of tunnel of of rock, probably about 30 feet down. And if you went down, you could almost see through the whole thing, but not a hundred percent. and it was clearly doable for Joshua. But it was a bigger risk for me. And so we were scouting it out and we were basically deciding like, are we gonna go for this thing? and and he's like, you know I'm ready if you're ready. and uh, and he wasn't putting any pressure on me. But he went first. And there was a time where if, when he was a younger son, where I absolutely would have gone first if we did it at all, because I'm the father and his safety is my number one priority. Well, his safety's still my number one priority, but here we are where he's leading me into more adventure. He's loving me as an older brother. And so what it did, I think, was awaken Hmm. these two narrative tracks. And I believe, friends, every one of us has these narrative tracks. You know, we have the condition of brotherlessness raised in us in order that it can be healed. And I believe that every one of us, because of evil's intent to steal, kill, and destroy, has been assaulted, harmed, in the storyline of older brother. think relationship and relational damage or relational hurt they will take the form of omission or commission. You know, I never had an older biological brother. I had two younger biological brothers that I was a pretty crappy older brother to and as you said that was a huge part of my conversion to Christ was just awakening to that reality and a repenting of it. And I've had some really holy, and meaningful opportunities to heal as an older brother and mature and offer the loan, the love, the invitation to adventure without needing anything. And I'm pretty proud of that because my brothers are both really different than me. And there is this storyline of where were you harmed? Where did you not have brother Or where was older brother that what he invited you into was actually unhealthy or self-serving? Where is there a void where you just had to figure it out? Or it took the form of peer initiation, but when you look back, that peer was not a good man. Or where was it that the place of brother actually was answered by older men with less maturity? that actually were interested in building their own kingdom. And so there's that track. And then there's a second track of the fierce heart of the father that's always at work, orchestrating our initiation, inviting us into the next first track and looking for the face of God in each and every one of our stories with the theme of older brother. And I can see it. I can see Dave Watkins who worked with me side-by-side at Gold's Gym for six years, taught me how to lift, taught me how to buff a car. And I started my first business, Ultimate Detail, because Dave taught me how to wax a car. You know, I see um, Rourke Johnson inviting me for my first time ever away with guys at a cabin. And we smoked this cigar that was like literally a foot long (laughs) and ate ate raw deer meat. Like (laughs) things I had never done in my whole life. You know, I remember when Doug Kittay would pick me up on Fridays, I think it was my sophomore year and maybe his senior year of high school. And I would skip school every Friday somehow. And we were both in cash under the table paying jobs and we'd save up our money and go play golf on Fridays at really nice courses and waste a bunch of money and play with old guys and gamble And it was really good. So I see that narrative track as well. And so friends, what I'm trying to give visibility to is this is a very significant part of your story. Yes. What does it look like to unpack it and begin to identify the narrative arc of what God was contending for Mm -hmm. to bring Christ as older brother and how evil was wanting to rob this expression of the Trinity to keep you um, from from really going into the fullness of apprenticeship mm-hmm. in the kingdom. Yeah, Cher, as you hear that, I'm just really curious for you. So like those two tracks, mm-hmm. when you think examples of when you think redemptively, oh, the face of God, mm-hmm. like I saw the older brother coming through this person mm-hmm. or this situation mm-hmm. or this experience and... The second track of I I can see the assault, I can see the thievery, I can see the inadequacy that's tempting me to come to some very core beliefs about um, Christ mm-hmm. that are just um, inconsequential.
1: Yes, Mo, you know um, a couple things come to mind, and first I notice that it there's both my story and then there's the story of others. And even though this wasn't my personal story, I have dear friends, um, for example, friends who are men whose older brothers literally like would beat them to a pulp. And I notice I'm feeling for them as we raise this question of older brother or mock them or beat them down. And so I'm like, oh, Jesus come.
0: Oh, it's such a and common story. Yeah. Older brothers being the shit out of their younger brothers. Right? And
1: people's deepest wound I think you've shared with me sometimes for a man is from an older brother, not yes. from a father, even. Yep. And then I'm thinking about women who either were, um, you know, um, assaulted by an older brother, maybe sexually abused by an older brother, or sexually abused by the friends of an older brother, and not protected in that in that environment. And so I just, um, Jesus, we do. As our older brother, we do invite you, Lord, in real time into these places in our heart, Lord, both the void, the brotherlessness, and then older brother gone wrong, older brother, um, the, the the kind of like anti-brother figure, Lord, the, the um, hollowed out or violent older brother or passive older brother, Lord, come, come for our hearts in this and come for the hearts of our brothers and sisters who are listening in Jesus name. So that being said, honey, a couple things come to mind is one is, so my sis, my sister was three years older than me. So when I was a freshman in high school or her friends were seniors and she had a great group of guy friends. And one time we went on a ski trip and there were these two guys, Jay and Jason, and, I was, I think actually it was their junior year, my eighth grade year, and I got to tag along with them on a ski trip. And these guys were so willing to have me like be on the runs with them to help, help me with my skis, help me like, you know, just increase my skills. And then we ended up somehow like missing the last shuttle back to our, um, back to our condo. And so we ended up having to walk like a long way in our ski boots and, Me and the other girls were like getting so exhausted, and the boys just like, just like took our skis like onto their shoulders. You know, um, at various points, and but they were, it was like they were just so fun to be with, more skilled than me, but like they were amazing skiers. But they were just so happy to give their brotherly presence, and so that was um, Jay and Jason in particular were brothers, older brother figures that um, immediately come to mind. And then there was a a book when I was younger that I was gripped with called The Outsiders, and it was turned into a film. But it was really interesting because there, this is there's a lot of example of brotherhood redeemed or a mm-hmm. ideal brotherhood in this film. So it's there's three brothers, Daryl, um, Soda Pop, and Pony Boy, who are orphaned. But Daryl, their parents died. But Daryl's old enough as an older brother to basically he sets aside his own. Um, like, I forget if he left college or whatever, so he could basically be there so his younger brothers wouldn't have to go into foster care. And Daryl is just like such a picture of an older brother. And so is Soda Pop to the youngest pony boy. And they love each other. And then they kind of adopt another boy named Johnny. And so um, I remember being so gripped with this brotherhood among these these boys. And it it captured my imagination and captured my heart, my feminine heart as a little Not as a little girl, but older elementary age. Um, And then, you know, something else, honey, that's coming to mind is really vivid to me right now is watching you with your brother Lance when Lance was sick. And your, you know, your intention to help him have fun, Mm -hmm. try to plan adventures for him, you know, take him to the golf course and like get him out of the house. Um, And I'm thinking about this, like your commitment to say like i will walk with you through hospice like i'll i'll literally walk with you all the way into into the kingdom into the heart of our father like literally with him till his final breath and the picture of an older brother's gaze an older brother's affection an older brother's attention an older brother's strength um you know is really vivid
0: to me and mm-hmm. there's a story with that um, that I never shared because we were just triaging, right? My brother gets brain cancer, has a grand mal seizure, goes into surgery two days later, comes out retarded. And 18 months later, he's dead. And none of us knew that would be the storyline. And he was 30 years old. And um, at the time when he died, I was actually, might've been right before he was dead. I was doing all funeral arrangements because my dad just didn't have the capacity and I was trying to protect him from it. And I remember I had to go like pay for his plot and it was 2,200 bucks. And I remember writing a check for $2,200 for my brother's like piece of earth. They would put his body in and just going, man, this is, no one should ever do this. And that day, Uh, an older brother of mine, Jim, calls me up and said, hey, I really feel compelled by God. Um, God wanted me to give you $2,200. Oh, my gosh, Morgan. You've never told that to me. I know. And it was this like such a holy moment of I was being an older brother. Mm -hmm. And then here Jim like just stepped in unbeknownst. He had no idea what I was doing, but he was following God, loving me as an older brother. And Jim has been a faithful older brother from the day we began a friendship till yesterday we were shooting bows together. And I'm trying, Joshua has this big hunt, seven years in planning. I'm guiding him. I'm super stoked, but I'm pulling a lot of new things together. And um, I'm looking to set up some game cameras, try to get some intel and I was like, yeah, my camera's old. And Jim looked at me and goes, hey, I've got four cameras. Like, and am g- he's going on a trip mm-hmm. at the same time. He's not using, yes. them. he's like, take my cameras. Like, yes. it was literally just this release of like, hey, my cameras are your cameras. Yeah. He has been a big yes. brother to me, yes. faithfully modeling yeah. this. And I think yeah. that's part of what's piercing my heart. Yeah. And so all that to say, these storylines mm-hmm. of both being Mm -hmm. a big brother and where we have failed in omission and commission and where we have been able to rise up sacrificially because of resources deep within our soul in our life and God. And then to watch like your skiing story of these older, older brothers saying, we got you. Mm-hmm. Like, we're good. We'll make it. This is this is a suffer fest. Totally. And it'll be, be a great story to remember. Totally.
1: We Like, we end up in these back bowls that I have no business being in. And, and you they wouldn't have been like, there without them, no, right? but it was like, I felt so alive. Yes. Guide, like, and like you said, you, they're like, you've got this. Yes. We'll, we will get out of this, you know, um, like, we're going to get down this mountain.
0: And uh, exactly. So friends, it's, it's that alive that Sherry said, like, what if- it's possible, and let me say it this way, what if it's essential? Yeah. What if as we are meant to mature in our apprenticeship and grow in our depth and, and dimension of knowing God, mm-hmm. what if part of this homecoming to a Trinitarian reality is to know Christ as our older brother, not just as an idea, but actually, is a practical, operational reality in our day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Advocating, cheering me on for buying the e- or e-bike, mm-hmm. you know, taking you into the back bowls. Him saying, "Like you got this. It's mm-hmm. in you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I am championing you." And there's so many, so much room to make mistakes. And I want to suggest that believing is seeing. We've talked about that so much and Become Good Soil, but believing Mm -hmm. is seeing. And so as our belief heals and matures, we will see this all over the place. Mm -hmm. Friends, we invite you to take your time to work through it and in it. And we're honored that you joined us for this part one of this series on Jesus as older brother. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode where Sherry and I will be back. As always, we want to close the episode with 90 seconds of just meditation, recover your breath, notice where your heart goes now and invite Christ to be with you here. Let's take 90 seconds.